Yo, what's up? This is DJ Yellow from the world's most dangerous group. What's up? This is DOC, the Diggy Diggy motherfucking doc. Yo, 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 what's up? This is your boy, Lee Murray. What up, dog? This is E-Shot. This is Jerry Heller, motherfucker. This your boy, DJ Paul K.O.L. from 360 Young Busy Ball. Vice World. This your man, Matt Smine, the hell raise up. Yo, this is DJ Ready Red. What up, what up, what up? This is the real Rick Ross, and you're listening to me on the Murder Master Music Show. What's up, everybody? It's your boy Prez. Welcome back to Murder Master Music Show. This is episode 819. We got a very special guest tonight. He's got a, a book out that's amazing. I mean, front to back, you have to read it. Straight out of Compton, my untold story. I'm talking about DJ Yellow of NWA. Uh, Yellow, how you doing, brother? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. And glad to have you here. I appreciate you taking the time out to talk to us. Uh, before we talk about the book, though, you know, COVID mm-hmm. has been a crazy situation for us all. Um, you, you know, you're used to going on the road and, and doing shows and things of that nature. Uh, how have you been holding up during the whole pandemic? Uh, I've just been just been relaxing, kicking back. Well, over the year and a half, you know, that has been going on, I've been I've been writing the book for the past year and a half. Because I stopped the last road show I did was in Malaysia or somewhere. That was in the end of 2019. And after that, you know, everything shut down. I was about to go to China in March of last year. And, you know, that's where it started. So that got shut down. Yeah. That's, uh, well, that, that's the common thing I've been, I've been hearing. You know, a lot of people had plans and, and then this unexpected thing just came out of nowhere. Um, now that things are easing up, are, are you getting ready to go back on the road and maybe promote the book and do more shows? 
Um, I'm not in a rush yet. Not really. You know, I just, you know, people starting to stop wearing masks. I still wear mine, so. But, now I haven't thought about going on the road. Maybe end of the, end of the summer or something. But mostly, probably book signings and stuff like that. Not too much out the country yet, because they're still kind of hot. Yeah, yeah. And I feel you on that mask uh, stuff. I'm not quite ready to ditch that either. Uh, not just yet. Because um, you just don't know what's going on. You know, um, but uh, this gave you an opportunity to write this amazing book. Um, Did you have plans of doing this, you know, like like years ago and and this finally happened? You said, you know what, I'm going to hunker down and just get it done. Is that how it worked? Uh, No, no. I never wanted to write a book. Matter of fact, to get this one book, it took me two times to write it. I dealt with like an editor at first. And and that didn't work out. And then I came with this last person that I added with, and she was amazing. Her name is Johnny Goosby. She went to school for all this. So all I did was told her my story, and she just put it in, you know, put it down. And I never planned it. God just gave it to me to do it. I never wanted to do a book. I never even read a book before. The Bible, yeah, but nothing else. I never opened up a manuscript or a novel or something like that. So, so this is something that, you know, you were pretty much just, uh, like you said, God had told you to do this. Um, mm-hmm. that's, uh, that's, a, that's an amazing thing because, you know, the life you have led, um, mm-hmm. you know, you talk about the fringe benefits and things like that, you know, uh, the, yeah. the lady <laughs> on, on the road and stuff. I know you real. I know. I know you're ready now. <laughs> well, yeah, of course. Of course, you know, hey man, I read Fresh Kid Ice's book. I mean, you want to talk about mm-hmm. fringe benefits? Rest in peace, <laughs> the homie, uh, Fresh Kid Ice. But you know, to go from where you went to where mm-hmm. you are today, you know, uh, a dedicated yeah. father, uh, a religious man, mm-hmm. um, you got to be proud of yourself. Yeah, you know, you know, I just try to stay humble. I've always been humble. I always yeah. have been humble. Even back in the beginning days when the music, when we was number one, even in them, them days, me and Dre, we didn't think of being a star or nothing like that. We felt more like stars in the early days of the Wrecking Crew when we was DJs. That felt more like being a star. But we just, I just stay humble, you know, and just, and I didn't realize I went through that much life. I mean, and amazing how I remembered it. I mean... Wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, you, you know, you, you're a kid from Compton, you know, um, you uh, you were into music and things of that nature. And to go from making records in a garage to getting platinum and gold plaque after plaque, uh, mm-hmm. Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, highest grossing movie uh, musical other than Bohemian Rhapsody, uh, music mm-hmm. biopic, that's that's amazing, you know. Um, but also, you know, uh, you reveal in the book that uh, you know you went through some rough periods, like we all mm-hmm. do. We're actually yeah. homeless. I was shocked to find that out. Uh, yeah. How did you make it through those times when you were homeless? You know, you know, some when I was, I, I call it homeless because I didn't have my own place. You know, I had to be on my sister's couch or somebody's couch. I wasn't on the street. 
but I was like a, a breath, one breath from it. And it just, when I was going through them three and a half years, I just, I wasn't mad at nobody. I wasn't mad at the world. I wasn't mad at God. I was just, it is what it is. And I never had any um, thoughts of how to get out of it. I never thought about it. I never, oh, if I make this, if I make that, I never thought about it. I just dealt with it. It just, it, it was what it was, you know. So, you know, God put me through this. I know I didn't do it. Dre didn't do it. Q didn't do it. I know who did it. That's why I made the book. Because the book is to give him glory, not me. I didn't make it for money or none of that stuff. I made it for the testimony. Maybe it might touch somebody somewhere. I've been getting good feedback already about how different stuff touch people. It, it, it's just amazing. It, it's amazing. Yeah, man, it's it's definitely uh, inspiration because, you know, you got to look at it. it. It shows, you know, the, the strength of the human spirit under mm-hmm. – uh, Ordinary circumstances, whether it be bad yeah. or good, and mm-hmm. you, you've lived both sides of the line. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, when you were, uh, you know, uh, in NWA and and things really started to pick up, um, mm-hmm. did you start to sense that your life was gonna, um, you know, what I'm saying, skyrocket like it did, or did you ever think, you know what? It's not gonna. It's just you know we're gonna make some noise like we did with the Wrecking Crew, but or did you know right away it was gonna be something much bigger than that? Nah, you know something. We never thought that it would gold and platinum. That was never even a thought. Never even, never even really heard of that before. We would just like the Wrecking Crew day. We did the Wrecking Crew, but we didn't make no money. So we did this and we started to make money. All we just we just wanted the money to buy, you know, little clothes, have money in our pockets, maybe buy a little car or something. That's all it was. It wasn't – I wasn't thinking about, oh, we're going to get big or we're going to – never thought of that at all, never. Even like the Hall of Fame, I just like, oh, I forgot. You know, people are say something and I say, oh, we are in the Hall of Fame. You know, I don't even – I don't even, you know, it's cool, but I don't even get into all that. And we never thought we did anything. At all. Like you said, you're you're real humble, and you can see that in the book. Throughout the book, mm-hmm. you always, um, you know, I, I stay out of grown folks' business. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I never did it about the money. You were very adamant yeah. about saying that. Um, how important was it for you to get that across to the people that you weren't in this for the money and it was more love for the music? Um, it, it just. I guess it's just my character. That's how I was. You know, being a, being around, you know, some kind of entertainment for so long. We're talking about the early 80s, so long. Even when I was a little kid, when I was DJing my brother's little wedding thing or something, reception or something. You know, I didn't know nothing about it. It was eight-track tapes. I had them all preset to play songs, you know, but it just never thought about it, never it just—I don't know. I just—I've been humble all my life, so I never was a bragger. I never was a show-off. I had the big rims for everybody to see. You know, I loved cars back then, but I just like cars because of the new smell. <laughs> yeah, that new feeling, take it off the lot, and 
You, you write about your car experiences. Uh, you had some pretty good ones over the years. Out of all the ones you had, though, what was your favorite? Uh, I like the Hummer. The Hummer for SUV, that was the best. It burned gas. That was the only problem. I like the Hummer because, as you see, in the book, I bought two of them back-to-back. Yeah, you back-to-back. I'm like, what? Was I crazy? What was I thinking? Um, cars is just cars to me. It's no big thing. I like luxury cars. I had a Scion XB. I like all kind of. It don't matter. Cars are cars nowadays, really. Yeah. Well, even when you were driving around, when when you were uh, you know sleeping at your sister's and stuff, you were driving around mm-hmm. the PT. Cruiser. Yeah. Um, you know what I'm saying? Th- that right there shows that a car is a car. You know, yeah. and it got you from point A to point B. Yep, yep. I mean, you know, and it just, what it was, God had to humble me, take all, everything away. I mean, because there wasn't no drugs, it wasn't none of that. It was just the money just ran out and ran out, and I had to be humble. When I first stayed at the uh the, the, uh, what was the beautiful one I think I called it that And I first stayed there Then I went to my sister When I went to my sister That's like humbled even more Because she stayed in the ghetto I ain't never lived in the ghetto so, Or the projects rather And that was a humbling experience <laughs> and, and that was later on in life too um, With all the stuff you, you, you've seen on the road With Easy and, and the guys Or even just growing mm-hmm. up in comp you know, um, that was a real eye-opener for you then, huh? Oh, yeah. It was something I, you know, nobody in my family had went through. So, you know, you know, even though we grew up in Compton, we had a house and stuff. We had front yard and backyard. So we was blessed. But, yeah, that was in, you know, like 2010 when it started. It didn't end until I got married <laughs> in 2013. So that was. That was something I, that was like the worst time of my life ever. But I wasn't yeah. mad. I wasn't depressed. I was just, okay, let me just keep going. Let me just keep going. I didn't have no dreams or nothing, but I wasn't depressed. You know, now, now roll people with- get depressed with too much money. they depressed, stressed out. I never was, I've never been a stressed person ever in my life. Either I got money or I don't. Either I got it or I don't. If I have it, whatever it is. I never stress. Yeah, and that's a good way to keep yourself, you know, um, you know, healthy too. Because stress definitely yeah. can cause health problems. Um, kill it kills. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people dying at forty, thirty something. Young people. I mean, it's just amazing. That's what I'm saying. Some people, even when they got money, they stress. Too much yeah. money, you stress. So this, this, I don't look at money as money is just money. I had it, spent it, whatever, gave it away, whatever. It's no big thing. I don't, I don't depend on money. Yeah, we gotta have money to survive, but I don't. I don't have no love for it. I never had. Back then, I had the love for buying things because I was bored. All my friends worked, you know. And entertainment, you you know, you ain't working. You know, you work once a every few couple of months or something. But so that's why I bought. <laughs> you know, Any stuff. Absolutely. You know, um you said uh, you know, I I don't want to give them everything. I'm just giving them a couple little bits and pieces. 
you said uh Ren uh you felt that um you know he he was the uh you know the dopest rapper he had the strong well the strongest voice well he had the, the strongest voice he had the strongest voice definitely cube had a sound but he had the best sound that little voice remember in them day dre wasn't really rapping he only rapped on one song or two songs on the first album he didn't start really rapping coming up to the front to rap into the second album in the 100 Miles of Running EP. But Ren had a strong, strong voice. Strong. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I always wondered, too, you know, he made a few solo albums, and he kind of disappeared, didn't do anything until um, he did uh, uh, one of your movies, he did a song back, uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, yeah. years back. Banging in I L.A., wondering- yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what, what, do you have any theories on what, or did he ever tell you why he didn't want to uh, rap anymore? Oh, I don't know. I know. I, I, you know, I, like I said, I stay out of grown folks' business. I mean, when me, him, and Q was on the road for like, like we did like ten shows or something like that. We all did that during like maybe yeah. 2016 after the movie, after the Hall of Fame and stuff. We all we did a bunch of shows. But, you know, I never asked. You know, I just, you know, stay out of grown folks' business. <laughs> That's yeah. all, you know. Me, he's I so just... dope. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say, he's so dope. I, you know, I, it, w- it would be something the fans would really like. Or just yeah. even, you know, like, uh, you know, you do shows with the Easy's Kids, you know, uh, Derek mm-hmm. and Lil E. Yeah. Uh, why not do an NWA reunion with all you guys and let Derek and Little Easy play the parts of, of their dad? Have you ever I thought mean, about you know, that? Uh, I thought about it. You know, hopefully it might manifest one day. Hopefully the real reunion might happen. You know, you never know. I mean, especially since the movie, they definitely wanted us, you know, for tours and, and stuff like that. And it just we just didn't come together. That's all. I mean, was it no no hard feelings, no nothing? You know, we just didn't come together. But that would be nice in the future. Maybe I can get Ran out on the road with me, and bring one probably little E with me, and that's almost like a reunion right there. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, when you got Public Enemy dropping uh, uh, dope projects, um, mm-hmm. they just dropped last year. You know, ice tea rap, and you know, um, it, it, it makes sense. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, plus, with your popularity right now, you know, the movie's still, uh, like I said, it's still the second highest grossing film of all time. Um, mm-hmm. You regretted now. You it's, it's out the, film uh, I think it's, well, it's the highest grossing. It's the highest grossing black movie, isn't it? If I'm not mistaken, and I think it was the highest grossing biopic. Yeah, bio. No, that's the, oh. um, until yeah. I think Bohemian Rhapsody came along. Oh, so okay. I'll that must have knocked us off. But, but oh, still, okay. I mean, right there, you know, um, at yeah. the top. Um, mm-hmm. When you signed on, you signed on more or less as a consultant. You regretted not mm-hmm. signing on as a producer. I was wondering why, why wouldn't they want to make you a producer, being that the film is about you, you know, and your friends. Oh, you know something? I never, I never got into it. I never had, you know. I'm just like, okay, you know. But I, 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 I realized what it was. God didn't want me to make money off the movie. He's yeah. having me make money from the movie. 
you know. Yeah. At that time, you know, in the book, when I was talking to the lawyer and stuff about, you know, the deal and stuff, I was just coming off of being homeless. So I was kind of stuck. You know, I could pass up this little money or take it. I needed it, so I took it. You know. Yeah. Not, you know, hey, that's all they offered me, so, you know, nothing I could do about it. I ain't mad at them at all. I think the movie was, was great. You know, it was pretty good. It put you guys, you know what I'm saying, into the light like today, kind of like how The Last Dance did with Jordan. It showed all these, you know, LeBron fans who the king was, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. <laughs> kind of have to go back yeah. and, and look at footage and things, and it, it brought that perspective. Plus, like I said, uh, man, you go to Dubai, all these different places all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That had to be amazing for you to have not toured for so long, then all of a sudden, here you are again. Yeah, I mean, because the funny thing is, NWA only went to London once. We did two shows in Brixton and some some other place. That's that's all we did. And then besides the 40-city tour and then, a, then shows in the early days, in the beginning, that's it. I traveled to more countries doing shows by myself than the group did, than the group ever did shows. Yeah. I mean, I've been probably a hundred countries, or I can't even remember been so many. I mean, I've been places I've never even heard of, Bahrain, Bali. You know, I went to Korea. I went to the, uh, Vietnam. I mean, Korea, wow. Vietnam, I mean, that's like un, unheard. And I was in the northern part of Vietnam, Ho Chi Minh, Tri- uh, whatever they call it, Ho Chi Minh something. You know, that's where the Vietcom was and, and the war. And, yeah. You know, now Vietnam is all one, but that was on the bad side. But I was, it's amazing. I was like one of the first hip-hop DJs to come to Vietnam. And you know what's so crazy? They love hip-hop more than we love it. Yeah. Out the country loves it more. They That's what they want. They want old-school hip-hop. On my shows, I don't play nothing new. Nothing new. All old school. That's what they want. That's what they love. It's, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, they want, yeah. they that, Well, a lot of, I've noticed too, a lot of people overseas, they learn English from you guys, man. They really? learn English from live crew. I mean, you know. Uh, yeah, because when and, it was in, in Korea and, all, and China and all that, they don't speak English, but. They speak the words of the song. <laughs> That's amazing. You know, that shows you the power of music, you know, uh, stretches around the globe. Um, you know, um, and the book is filled with, uh, you know, happy times, sad times, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, it take, it, you, you did a great job at capturing just about every emotion. Um, mm-hmm. Of course, the sad times, you know, uh, the passing of Easy. You know, when he was sick, yeah. you got a phone call from him. Um, mm-hmm. What was that phone call like, and, and, you know, how did it affect you? It was, at the time, I didn't think nothing about the phone call. I was at his house shooting a movie, and he just yeah. called he just called me out the sky blue, and I'm just like, okay, yeah. He said, and this, all he really said was, watch yourself. He said that a couple of times. And I said, okay, all right, okay. And I got off the phone. Didn't think nothing about it. So I didn't talk to him no more. When I seen him in the hospital, he was already under 
put into uh, how they put them, uh, where they put them under, I forgot what you, not a, like a coma, an induced coma. Yeah. Induced coma, yeah. He was already in that. So, I, you know, I didn't get to talk to him anymore at all because he didn't want me to know what was going on. He did not yeah. want me to know at all. Not at you all. You think the warning was, was his way of telling you to, to be careful with, like, uh, uh, you know, the, the women. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's what it was. Yeah, watch yourself. That's what he was saying. Watch yourself. He definitely said that two, maybe three times. But we didn't have wow. much of a conversation. Cause it was like a regular conversation. It wasn't, if he would have said, oh, I'm in the hospital, then, you know, then I would have stopped shooting and went to the hospital. But we never did say anything. So I'm just, you know, got off the phone with him kind of fast. And that was the last time, just like the last picture that he took with me and him. That was his last public picture. That was his last picture. I haven't That's seen any other picture. Out of uh, straight off the streets of Compton, right? Uh, no, 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 no. The one where I was at my um, birthday party. He gave me a birthday party. Oh, yeah, party. yeah. Yeah, in December yeah. of 94. That was his last picture, period. The ones off the off his album was them was old was old picture. That was yeah. That was that photo shoot you didn't know what it was for at the time, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, no, no, no. We took some pictures of a photo shoot. Yeah, I didn't know what we were like. Why are we taking pictures? Their pictures never got used, but the ones for his last album came off of even older pictures from the NWA days. They had found, if I'm not mistaken. Because I had seen that picture before, with him standing in front of that other little lineup thing with the police thing. That was an old picture. That was definitely from the NWA days. Yeah. He, um, you know, like you said, he, he was trying to obviously warn you, uh, but also I, I think from from what you said in your book, he was trying to warn you after in the afterlife as well because. The night yeah. he he passed, he came to you in a dream. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. And please break that down for our listeners. I mean, he it's crazy. I knew, I said, he's going to visit me, and I did not want to stay there by myself. I remember. That's when the, the two different girls came, and, you know, one had to go. I had to pay one to leave. And then that night, he definitely came and visited me. It, you know, it was so real. I mean, really real. I mean, he just was talking, and I didn't hear too much what he had to say, but he said, I got to go. And I'm like, huh? And I looked at him, and he was gone. That was the last time I seen him. So he was just telling me, I'm, I'm okay. I'm going wherever I'm going. He told me. That's what he told me. And I just like, wow. <laughs> I knew it. It was so real. I knew he was going to visit me. I just knew it. Did you uh, did you guys ever just like you know when you were just talking you know as friends? Did you ever talk about the afterlife? Did he ever say like he because he played jokes on you and stuff like with the Mickey Mouse check? We'll talk about yeah. that in a minute. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> but did he ever say something like if I ever die before you, I'm gonna come back and haunt you or anything like that? Uh, no, no. The only part so this, that I really realized that. that he talked about that was uh-huh. when I was mixing the album, his last album. And one of the songs we had did, he talked about that. I'm yeah. Like, 
I didn't notice it when we when I made the song. But after he had passed, and then when Ruthless came for me for the album that was sitting in the studio that everybody wanted, you know, somebody told me to hold it off for a million dollars. It just wasn't my style. I can't do that. I couldn't do the hold of that hold his album ransom. Nah. But he said something about dying and all that, and I didn't notice that until the album came out. I said, wow, we made the song, and I didn't even know he said that. Yeah, that's, that's a, uh, you know, it's, it's creepy, but that's, that's like a, uh, you know, a, a, an experience that you're never going to forget. Did you wake up yeah. right away? Um, like, what, what was he, did he say anything to you in that dream? Uh, he was talking, but I didn't remember what he was saying. It wasn't that long, and we were just flying through the air, and I could just feel the breeze of the air. We just talking. He's talking, but I can't remember what he said. Only words I remember is, I got to go. I got. There was something else he said with it. I didn't put it in the book, and I won't say it. There was something else yeah. said before he said that. But I'm like, nah, I don't want to say that. I don't want to say nothing against him. But it was, he said something, then he said, I got to go. And then he was gone. That was it. Never had a dream about him no more at all. I, th- I think that was his way of probably letting you know that he's going to be all right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that he's accepted it, whatever it is. That is okay, this is what it's going to be. I'm okay. So, he just, you know, he just was telling me. So I'm like, okay. But I, was, you know, I knew he was coming that night. I knew he was coming. I'm like, because I used to be scared of the dark. So, <laughs> yeah. Was, I knew were you were going to actually like see an apparition or something? I, I but I, I didn't know. I was like, you know, I was like, I know he's gonna come. Something. Walk in the room. Or something. I knew he was gonna do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that. Uh, well, that leads me, you know, let, let's focus on some funny times, you know. Um, mm. Let's talk about that Mickey Mouse check for $90,000. Oh. Please tell us yeah, about I that. Was, I was, I, I should have been still upset with it. I remember that. I just finished a Yomo Markey album. Then he came up there to give me a check. And me being the dummy, I didn't look at the check, didn't even think about it. When I get to the bank, and the lady said, do you know this guy? I said, who? Mickey Mouse. <laughs> I was like, oh. Because he signed the check to Mickey Mouse. He didn't sign it, Mickey Mouse. He he put it instead of my name, Mickey Mouse. I was like, this dirty rat. <laughs> I had to hunt him down for a day to catch him. <laughs> Man. Oh. I mean, that, that, that was funny. Was he always like that though, playing jokes with people? Yeah, I mean, you know, we—that's how we were. We we was like a family. It was there was never yeah. no arguments. There was never nothing. What people don't realize, what broke up the group was the outsiders, not yeah. the inside. It's always the outsiders. What can they gain? You know, with this person or whoever they deal with, whatever it is, it's the outside. Think about it. We broke up at number one. Number one in the world. Because the, the, the album shipped number one. The last album. And it's just like, 
groups don't break up at the top. They break up at the bottom or when it's going downhill or something. We was at number one. Yeah. That's just <laughs> it's just amazing. That was the hardest album, too, uh, the best one you guys put out. Oh, and, yeah, because uh, oh, yeah, we grew up. We grew up in producing. No yeah. no samples, we didn't use samples, none of that stuff. Yeah, uh, you know, it's like the 85 Bears. They win that, that amazing uh, Super Bowl, and then, mm-hmm. poof, uh, they get traded. Yeah. You know, we see that in sports, uh, uh, but, but yeah, you're you're 100 percent right, man. You guys went out on top and broke up mm-hmm. like that. But like say the outsiders, um, you know, uh, that's how it always is. Unfortunately, you always oh, get yeah. people sidelines giving their input. Um, yep. Throughout the book, you uh, you wouldn't uh, reference uh, Jerry Heller. You called no, him Mr. Manager. <laughs> yeah. It, uh, uh, I mean, I've, I've had his kids on the sh- or uh, Easy's kids on the show. Some of them mm-hmm. refer to Jerry as like a grandfather figure. Did you and him uh, never reconciliate or never uh, um, talk to each other after everything? No, because in the book, think about it. In the book, well, Easy passed, and then remember later, Jerry tried to get the album from me. You know, he yeah. asked me about the album. And I didn't realize until I got left in the car and got on the freeway. I said, wait a minute, did he just try to get the album for me? I forgot all about that album. I ain't never thought nothing about the album. It was that audio achievement just sitting there. Nobody knew it was there because I had the album because I worked on it. You know, I did most of the songs on the album. So it, it just, but I didn't think nothing about the songs, anything. It just, and then I had seen Jerry maybe around the time, right before I was going homeless. This might have been, yeah, it was right 2010. The first time I didn't never, first time I didn't have a car. I remember seeing him for a hot moment. I DJed something for his, 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 his cousin or something, some kind of little get together, and talked to him for a minute, and that was it. That was all. But, you know, people don't understand what he was. He's getting 20% off the group. Okay, I understand that. But you're also getting 20% off the record label. That's a conflict of interest that we was too young to know about. That was the problem. It was was immoral. Whether it was crooked or not, I don't know. You know, so I try to Keep it clean as much as I can about yeah. it. Just like in the book, when I went to the Valley and I left there, I was 108000 out of my pocket. <laughs> you know, that was that, that I did not get. Yeah. Dealing with these people, you know, I'm just like, you know, you go to the accountant and say, oh, you owe, you owe exactly 90000 for tax, but the check happened to be 90000 what a coincidence. Oh, yeah. And I signed over the perfect. check, this person. Signed it over. Because we were young and dumb. We didn't know no better. Not at all. You know, that's why I say, I ain't got nothing bad to say about him. I ain't got nothing good to say about him. At all. Yeah, you're kind of in the middle. 
with everything. Well, everybody deals with people in their own way, too, and, and has their own mm-hmm. circumstances. No one can tell you how to feel about him or vice versa, you know. Oh, yeah. Um, but uh, another thing uh, in the book, too, um, you get this call from Dre when Dre's leaving Ruthless, and he wanted mm-hmm. you to come with because you guys had high-powered productions. That was yeah. one of the best, if not the best, production duos teams of all times. So he mm-hmm. wanted to get intact while he was with Death Row, right? Yeah. So I didn't I didn't understand. When he called me that morning, I didn't know what he was talking Because all he said is, yeah. I'm gone. So I'm thinking, and I'm thinking in my mind, gone where? I don't, so I did never answer to him. I never answered him until 2019, when me and him talked by ourselves about it. I didn't, I didn't address it in the book. I just kept that private. But I did not answer him until 2019, the last time I seen him. And it just, I didn't, I wasn't, I was caught in the middle. Leave with Dre, yeah. or stay with Eric. Like, uh, you know. I ain't got nothing against, you know, just like the diss song, the same thing. Dre had the diss song. He made the diss song. And he knew not to come to me about being in the video or none of that. He knew that. I ain't got nothing bad to say about him. That's my buddy at all. So I was always caught in the middle. You know, I'm just like, wow, you know. He's leaving, but I didn't know he was really leaving. I mean, you, you kind of, like you said, being caught in the middle, uh, mm-hmm. you, you you were kind of, I would imagine, like the voice of reason, the one trying to keep everybody together. Were you trying to do that? Um, No, because I really didn't know what was going on. By the time I knew he was leaving, he was gone already. Yeah. So, you know, I'm just like, and I didn't say, okay, Eric, I'm going to stay with you. No, I didn't say nothing at all. I was just like, okay, he's gone, so I'll just stay here. You know, Eric ain't did nothing bad to me. So, you know, I just, I just, you know, just caught, I, just, I was just caught. You know, I should have, I should have went with Dre, you know, because he asked me originally to come around NWA when I was, had a little job. I put that in the book, too, that he asked me to come in the group when we left the wrecking, when we was leaving the wrecking crew. But that's why I said I was just caught, and I just young and naive. I didn't know what to do. I didn't, so I didn't do anything. That's what I did. I didn't do nothing. You stayed out of the uh, beefs and the the diss records, and you made it yeah, clear oh that yeah, you didn't, didn't heard of that. Oh, oh yeah, that wasn't my thing. I'm like, why am I gonna be dissing him? And I'm like, nah, uh, I'm good on all that. Nope. Yeah. Oh, I, I didn't even like performing a song with E. Live. We only did it a few times, Arsenio Hall and stuff like that. I didn't like doing it on that because it was dissing. I'm just like, ugh. But he wanted me to do it. He wouldn't. He wouldn't do it without me. The few shows we did, he wouldn't do it without me. When he came out in a robe for that interview. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's the, the uh, KRS one. The yeah. Thing. Yeah. That's classic. <laughs> he just thought of it right then. Right before he went out, and then he came out in his boxers on the um, on one of the American Music Awards, I think it was. American Music Awards, yeah. 
Yeah, he uh, just took off his pants and put them in the put his <laughs> pants on his arms. <laughs> I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> he yeah, was man, the he was, last with one lens out, the hockey mask. Uh, he was always an uh, uh, entertaining um, individual. Yeah. But um, right. you, you can't have no regrets on the way you handled it. You and Ren both did a good job of uh, staying out of it, like you said, and, and uh, mm-hmm. remaining, uh, you know, uh, true to, to both of them, I believe. Just because yeah. you might have stayed on Ruthless doesn't mean you hated Dre, you know. But oh, yeah. um, oh. years later, you know, you got to um, – be with him on the set of the movie and everything, and you said in, in 2019 you got to talk to him. What was that conversation like, and was there any talks of, of possible uh, reunion at that time? Um, I mean, that 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 talk was just, I mean, it was personal, I, but it was uh, like like emotional. Month. Emotional. It was very emotional at that, yeah. you know. You know, because uh, we just, we haven't talked about it. Never talked about it. Never talked about Eve's past. None of that. That was the first time we mentioned any of that. I mean, I have seen, you know, a few times here and there, and, you know, but, you know, it was just emotional, emotional time. And, uh, a reunion, I don't know. I don't, you know, it might still can happen. It ain't hard. Everybody still wants us to do it, which is the crazy thing, you know. Think, cause think about this. The big rock and rollers do it all the time. What, Man, Willie it, Nelson, you know, when they do it, some of them fits. don't even like each other, but they still do it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, for the fans. Well, and you got to look at it like this, too. Of course, he's not here, but... Like, uh, we, we was always trying to get the Ghetto Boys to come back together, and now Bushwick and Reddy mm-hmm. Red are dead. You know, uh, mm-hmm. they're no longer. Um, it, it should be done now while you guys are here. I yeah. like that they did yeah. Mount West more. Um, that's a step in the right direction, but everybody wants that NWA reunion. Everybody. In oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, because think about this. When the movie came out, it restarted us all over again. We sold more than. Back in the original days, we got yeah. more bigger than back in the original days. I mean, it was just like a whole new era. I mean, because you know, social media and all that is so big now. Phones and you know, and it just you know, straight out of Compton, platinum digital sales for the single, just for the single, and then the album, all the albums sold again, all that stuff. It just you know, it's a whole new generation. You know, when I'm doing all these countries, all these different countries, it's younger people. I mean, young that weren't even born when we did the albums. But now it's just, it's just amazing, especially when the um, the riots was going on through the summer and all that. Our song was the number one song being played. Yeah. The number one on the download. <laughs> so relevant today, unfortunately. Oh, you know, yeah. all these. I mean, what we yeah. talked about, you know, what we talked about, what we talked about on the police song wasn't nothing we invented. That was already being talked about before us. We just happened to be the ones that brought it to public, you know, all over the airways. And then in the you know, in the summer after the George Floyd and all that stuff, you know, it just like wow. 
it's amazing that all the rallies and all that stuff, that song was being played. It, it's just like, wow. It's still, like you said, relevant for today. Our music was ahead of its time. That's what it is. It was so far ahead of its time, it's amazing. How many groups can be big in their time than, you know, go away and then come back and be even bigger than before? That's got to that, be rare. That That is. You're right. You're 100% right. Um, and I, I think it's going to set up uh, the future for other groups, too, because mm-hmm. – oh, uh, yeah. When they finally tell the story of some of these guys, you know, like I said, the Ghetto Boys or Two mm-hmm. Live or something, it's going to really rejuvenate them as well. Um, oh, yeah. What's in the future for DJ Yellow, man? This book is phenomenal. Uh, I expect it to do very well for you, and I hope it does. What, what's mm-hmm. in the future? Um, probably doing a little more roles. I want to do more Q&As at universities and colleges because – Every college has hip-hop classes now. I didn't know that. You know, I already did a couple of them in Canada, and I like that more than performing and stuff. I like, you know, sitting down asking the question, you know, telling people, you know, that's amazing because they can also buy the book for the school. It's crazy. And, you know, maybe I have a movie script that's done. I was just waiting for me to finish the book, but I have finished a movie script just uh, before the book. Before I even thought about doing the book, I had finished the script. So I'm waiting to see, you know, maybe somebody might want something out of this book, TV series, whatever. I don't know. And then the script. And then I'm not going to do too much. More relaxing. More relaxing. Join the family. Join the wife. Just, you know, because I'm just now getting peace and joy. I thought I had it in the days with big money. You see how I had money. Half a million dollars in my pocket, and then two months later, you're broke. <laughs> but peace yeah. and joy don't peace and joy don't come by money. It ain't. It has to be given to you, and that's only through God that He can give you peace and joy. And I, I discovered it, and it is amazing. And it has nothing to do with money, nothing. Don't I don't stress about nothing at all. Nothing. I that's just, beautiful, man. Because. You really, uh, like I said, you were able to uh, almost like come full circle, you know, yeah. um, mm-hmm. and be at peace with so many different things. Uh, but, yeah, mm-hmm. the Q&A, man, Mike Tyson did that. Uh, it seemed like he had a lot of fun. He did a tour. Um, hopefully you could pick that up here soon, you know, this stuff died yeah. down a little bit more. Oh, yeah. Um, oh. You know. Definitely, and this uh, is my this is the first interview I did since 2019. Well, I did the doc, the DLC documentary, but this is the first interview I've done in the wow. past year and a half. Yeah, because I haven't been doing too many interviews. Only I was doing the big boys, you know, if it's about the group, you know, or something like that. I, I did, it. but other than that, I haven't done any interviews at all. Hey and man, this. It's one for the underground. I appreciate that, man. Uh, oh, yeah. You know, yeah. And uh, I'm re- really grateful to be the first in a while um, because, uh, you know, we, we had you on the show years ago, and mm-hmm. uh, was always you were always a, a real humble guest, always a, a good person to talk to. You had great insight mm-hmm. on things. Um, but this book, it's just full of so many gems. I just got a couple more questions, mm-hmm. and then I'm uh, – 
I'm gonna let you go, uh, Yella. But the, this first one, you're in the you're you're in the uh, you guys are on tour, and mm-hmm. uh, the show with LL Cool J, an unknown person comes in and starts punching one of you guys in the face. Oh, uh, one in Seattle. Yeah, that was that was right before the tour. That was kind of kind of right. I don't think it's a part of our tour. I don't think it was. It might have been. I can't remember. Depends on the year. But yeah, it just somebody you know just can walk in our dressing room. Just wow, you know I didn't want to reveal who it was. I ain't you know I ain't trying to. I ain't throwing nobody under the bus. You see in the book, I didn't throw nobody under the bus. Only myself. Yeah, I just threw myself. <laughs> you know because you know. No. But yeah. Well, just... No, I'm sorry. I, I was just gonna say no. You didn't throw anybody under the bus. You didn't reveal who who it was or who got punched. Um, yeah. But do you know why? And, and was this ever clarified? Or no, nah, that's it the crazy. Sounds part. like a random act of violence. You know? you know what the crazy part is? The guy that came into the dressing room was from Compton. He was from Compton because I found this out years later. I didn't know. I don't know the person, but I found out through my buddy, Big Man. He, I don't know if he knew the person or something. But he told me, yeah, the guy that said, yeah, he was from Compton. But it was no words exchanged, no nothing. But that put us on alert, like, okay, we got to get security. That's when we started having security, That from that day on. Because somebody just yeah. walked, strolled in your dressing room. <laughs> You're like, wow. But you guys were ready to grab things. You guys were eyeing different uh, weaponry oh, yeah. that laying around. Oh, yeah. I know I had a mic stand, you know, on the mic stand, the old ones had the big weighted piece at the bottom. So, you know, that was going to bust somebody. <laughs> but, you know, it was just so quick and so fast. It's just like, wow. Whoever he was punching, did they get really fucked up? I mean, part of my language, were they all no, covered in blood? They, they took it. They took it. They wow. stood, they, after the first punch, they stood back up. After the second one, they stood back up again. No whining, no crying, crying nothing. Whoever did it had a good chin to keep getting up like that. He should have uh, yeah. should have been a boxer maybe. Uh, yeah. That's wild, you know. Um, but you guys were getting ready to uh, handle him. What did he do? He just turned around and walked out. He just walked out. Just fast as he came in, fast as he walked out. Just like that. Uh-huh. Just nothing. No words. No nothing. So I don't know if this person knew this person? I have no idea. You know, we never talked about it. Outside of that, we never talked about it. No more. At all. Your book is the first time that you've you've even discussed it then. Whatever mm-hmm. it was. Oh yeah, a bunch oh. of stuff is the first time I, I discussed, you know, discovered a lot of stuff. You know, yeah, I like, well, have, like, you know, interviews on the, the, on the floor and, um, you know, uh, all kinds of like I said, there's a lot of highs and lows in this book. Mm-hmm. Um, you really don't pull any punches, man. I really commend you for uh, writing a, such a thorough book mm-hmm. that gives us such a good glimpse into your personal life. We've always known DJ yeah. Yellen, the musician, the producer. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, mm-hmm. The member of NWA, but we never knew much about you. Yeah. You know, uh, 
and then people are going to be asking me, why didn't you talk about the movies? And because I know that's one of the things they want to uh, talk about as well. But I, I don't. Well, want to I, talk too I much. touched on I touched on the movies, but I didn't yeah, go into you, detail of the movie. You know, because I'm saved now, so I'm like, eh, I didn't want to. I was going to throw a couple of covers in there, but. Eh, the editor said, you don't want to put the light in it, so I didn't put them in there. So, so I kind of, like, dabbled with it. I didn't detail with it, you know. But, yeah, I did 350 movies or something. I did it for 15 years at least. Why well, successful I did it, in that? I did it just like move, music. I just went in. When the idea first came to me, I thought of it as making records. Okay, I want to do everything. Camera video, take the stills, whatever. I want to do it all. That's how I went into it. Yeah, it, it, uh, and, you know, I remember uh, you advertised in Murder Dog Magazine um, many of your movies, and I used to get a box of CDs every mm-hmm. month from Murder Dog to review. And uh, mm-hmm. this one... I get this, all of a sudden I see this Jake Steed. It had nothing to do with you. And I'm like, what the hell is mm-hmm. this? Why is he here? I guess he was a rapper slash porn star. And then yeah. I started your stuff, too. I was mm-hmm. like, wow, this, this is amazing. I was happy for you, though, because I knew you were you were, you were were doing something, you know what I'm saying, outside mm-hmm. of the I knew you were successful at it. Um, mm-hmm. But... Man, you've been to the top of the music industry, to the top of that industry, and now, um, and you're touring the globe. When you look back, you know, uh, at your life and all the stuff you you wrote about in this book and everything that's going on now as well, what are you most mm-hmm. fond of? Um, I think the day I got saved, because I knew nothing about it, never heard nothing. You know, I knew nothing about it. And ever since that day, I've just changed my mind. Like, I got a new mind ever since that day. My my character is still there. My style is still there, but it just, I've just changed. I got married. I got saved. Ten months later, I was married. And that was it. And I just, that's what I'm into now. I go to church every Sunday. I'm a deacon now. I go to Bible study. You know, I travel the world DJing. You know, when I DJ, I cuss in the shows because the songs come, but that's all, it's just for for the show. Outside of the show, I'm just, nope, I don't cuss, I don't do none of that, I don't drink, smoke, nothing. But I just change. And I'm, you know, so, you know what's so funny? I enjoy life more now than in the heyday of the group. Because yeah. it's so simple now. It's just, I, I live a simple life. I don't go very many places, I keep to myself. I'm just, Simple, very simple now. Well, I, I like the uh, the little things in the book that you talk about too, like when you started mm-hmm. uh, DJing again. You know, uh, not having the records and doing it, you having to get used to doing it without the yeah. records. And, you know, um, it, it's a very detailed uh, book. Again, everybody is straight mm-hmm. out of comp my untold story. Uh, yeah, well, give them the website so they can go uh, purchase a copy of that. Yeah, it's uh, Straight Out of Compton, My Untold Story. Available for signed autographs, books will be on my site at djyellowofnwa.com, or you can get paperback or ebook at amazon.com. 
Yeah, definitely. I recommend that you guys get it. Um, I got one question here from the mm-hmm. Holy Sin of France, uh, and then I'm going to let you go, Yell. I really appreciate you. Sin, are you there, brother? Yes, yes, sir, Scott. Uh, hi, DJ Yellow, legendary. Um, How you doing? Yeah, I'm fine. Uh, can you tell us about the first working crew single, Slice, in 1984? Mm-hmm. It was under Cut Crew Label of Alonso. Uh, mm-hmm. I know about the, the great cover uh, with a red vinyl on it with the hand and all that <laughs> for the singer. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about the, the processes of creation for Splice? Oh, for oh he wants to make Yeah, you know what's so crazy? And people don't realize that was the first recorded song we ever did. You know, it was me and Clientel. Clientel did the rap. I did the, uh, you know, made the beat and all that stuff. But it was before any any music we ever done. That was the first. Even though it wasn't that great to me, but it opened the door. Because the next song that happened was Surgery, and that, that opened the floodgates. But Slice is the one that built the house. It, is, it was the foundation, which is crazy. I, I didn't realize until I was writing the book. And it just... We just, cause we just did the song, you know, copying off of Run DMC or whoever we copied off of. I think it was Run DMC. You know, it was our first time doing something, and we just had fun with it. It was wow. That's why wow, I heard that song in a long time. That that was the inspiration. So I had already been doing other little stuff, mixes for record companies and stuff like that, and then that was the start of the music for us. Yeah, yeah, the cover was crazy. It was a red villain on this. That's the idea of the cover. Adult He said the cover was crazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was a, yeah the guy named Daryl Davis. That's his name. He just came up with it. We just He just designed it for it. We didn't tell him what to write, and it just sliced, you know, slicing the record. I'm like, wow, okay, that that works. And that's it, because they did the same guy, did the next two or three covers, which was Surgery and then Juice. So he did all three covers. So it just... I imagine this, uh, I imagine this, uh, <clears throat> this song was crazy in F- F- After Dark. Oh, oh with yeah. the girls when of After the Dark, yeah. I can imagine. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's oh. those fringe benefits uh, uh, you'll find out about it in the book. Uh, thanks for calling in. I appreciate you. Uh, yes, I appreciate too. Yella, a uh, huge honor, brother. Uh, thank you so mm-hmm. much. And everybody, please go to djyellowfnwa.com. Uh, get a copy of the book autographed or go to Amazon and, and get the digital version. Uh, man, is there anything you want to say before we go, Yella? No, I mean, you know, it's just, first of all, I thank you for doing the interview. I mean, it was relaxed, it was, it was comfortable, not the same old, you know, you know, the standard question. That's why I said read the book first, then let's do the interview. You know, because, you know, everybody knows the standard, how the group got started, this, that. You know, we all know that. But the Basics, book, yeah. Yeah, the basic. but I had fun, you know. And, and, and what it is, the book is just my testimony. It's just my testimony how a person like me, you know, I was a sinner. 
you know, all that, all my life. And then God came and changed me. Okay? He came and got me. If he can get me, he can get anybody. Anybody. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. You know, uh, thank you so much, Yellow. I appreciate you. Um, 